1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
0: Well, just in case you forgot, and I can't imagine how you could forget Connor McDavid is really, really, really. I can put in one more. Really? I think yeah, I will really good at hockey. Yes, he is. And he's nominated for the Hart trophy for the league's most valuable player award along with Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche and Austin Matthews, of the toronto maple leafs and as i said to jay lynn probably could hand them the award now but they they won't do that but what a year and we'll talk about that in a moment the montreal canadians could have an opponent in their stanley cup semifinal tonight the vegas golden knights hold a 3-2 series lead they're at home against the colorado avalanche and another pressure game for the avalanche led by nathan mckinnon can they force a game seven this Series, you would think, had seven games written all over it, but the Knights found a way in game number five to win that game in overtime after being really the second-best team on the ice, but they found a way, and they got it done. So they'll see if they can advance uh, tonight to the Stanley Cup semifinal. Then it would all be set, because last night, a 6 2 win by the New York Islanders means that the uh, other semifinal is set, Islanders and Lightning. We'll uh, get underway in Tampa, we believe, on Sunday. That's according to John Shannon, who uh, I would not uh, question his intel and his info because he is very well-connected. The NHL hasn't released a schedule yet, but uh, Sunday appears to be the day, and if that is the day, uh, we will bring it to you right here on 630Ched. Stanley Cup semifinal coverage and the Stanley Cup final as well, right here on 6.30, Chad, the voice of the Oilers and the voice of the National Hockey League. Good evening, everyone. On a rainy Thursday, it's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins. Reed taking the week off. So you got me tonight and you got me tomorrow as well. So coming up, we'll talk with uh, Bob Stauffer at the bottom of the hour about McDavid's nomination. And uh, a lot of people getting a little upset about Devin Shore re-signing. Two years, $850,000. If anything, maybe two years is a little bit of a surprise. But at the same time, uh, is this not good value for a player who you can put on the fourth line and can penalty kill? But there's a lot of people that don't like it. I'm kind of wondering why. So we'll talk to Bob about that uh, as well as uh, we move along here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Uh, Edmonton Oil Kings GM Kurt Hill will join us as well. Uh, his team basically swept all the awards. I mean, they won the Central Division. It was only a 24-game season for the Oil Kings. But we'll talk about the awards, and we'll talk about uh, Sebastian Kosa and Dylan Gunther, who are going to be projected first-round draft picks. I mean, Kosa might be around where the Oilers will pick. That would be enticing to pick Kosa, you would think. Hmm. I mean, there's Stuart Skinner on the farm, but that would be intriguing if they would uh, go with the local product there as far as the, uh, the the local team um so that's interesting so we'll talk to kurt about that uh tanner the bulldozer bozer who uh ufc fighter who is uh only down to one fight or has one fight left on his contract uh, had a controversial split decision go against him at a, at a ufc event in vegas on the weekend watched the fight uh, today and I mean, I don't know. When you have four times more four times more strikes than your opponent, <laughs> you would think you would win. I don't know, uh, but we'll talk to Tanner about that. And a really cool story: uh, Edmonton Riverhawks allowing 190 students from Vimy Ridge Baseball Academy to use their facility tomorrow for a grad ceremony that is pretty cool so we'll hear from jamie wilson who's a coach at vimy ridge um, about that as well uh, later on tonight that is really really cool so we got the table set for you and Connor mcdavid named a finalist for the Hart trophy and let's just remind you what he did 33 goals 72 assists 105 points in 56 games pretty remarkable yes it was against one division but we all know that's just the way it was this year uh had a points percentage or points per game average of 1.88 that is most by any player since 95 96 when Mario lemieux of the pittsburgh penguins averaged 2.30 and mcdavid won the heart trophy back in 2016 17 Finished third in voting in 2018-19, becoming to uh, seeking to become the fifth player in NHL history to capture the award multiple times before his 25th birthday. After Wayne Gretzky, six times he won it. Bobby Orr won it three times before the age of twenty-five. Gordy Howe won it twice. Alex Ovechkin won it twice. And if McDavid wins, and I believe he will win. He would also make the Oilers the first team with different Hart Trophy winners in consecutive seasons since the Bruins back in 68-69 when Phil Esposito and Bobby Orr won it in back-to-back seasons. Austin Matthews is the other. There's the second nominee or the next nominee, I should say. League-leading 41 goals in 52 games. Helped the Leafs earn the top seed in the division for the sixth time in franchise history and the first time since 99-2000. Uh, became the first Maple Leaf in history to capture the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy which was first awarded back in 1998-1999 and first Leaf player since 45-46 to pace the NHL in goals. Also led the league with 12 game winners, 20, 222 shots on goal and accounted for 222% of Toronto's 186 total goals. Nathan McKinnon, fourth in the NHL, career high, 1.35 points per game, had 20 goals, 45 assists for 65 points in 48 games. The Avalanche had the top-ranked offense in the uh, franchise's third president trophy uh, in their history. Won back in uh, 96-97 and 2000-2001. Finished uh, among the league's leaders in shots on goal. Uh, Power play points, third with 25 assists, with uh, 45, that was good for fifth points. With 65, that was eighth. So off this list, I'm not going to harp on it too much. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who was finished second and scoring 21 points back of his teammate, was left off. So, you know, I, I I can't remember the last time I have to look this up when teammates were nominated for the award. I, I don't know how long that would have been anyway, but a uh, little surprising, but I don't know if it was over. Uh, this is overly a big deal or not, but uh, we know McDavid's gonna win this. We know, we know. Uh, back to hockey in a moment, but uh, the CFL, they are clearing some hurdles here. Uh, first, the CFL Players Association came out today and said that they have ratified the amendments to the CBA to uh, basically clear the way for a 2021 season, starting on August the 5th. So home quarantines would begin June, uh, June 25th, and training camps would begin summer around July 10th. Could be a bit later. So the league and the players have an agreement. Now it's in the hands of the CFL Board of Governors, who will vote on this on Monday. And apparently this is not a unanimous vote. Seven of nine teams have to vote in favor. But there is some weird clause that says if the teams that vote against it cite financial reasons, then there's some provision that they can play or they they don't have to play. So it's, you know, one of those things where we love the CFL, but sometimes the CFL makes you shake their head. But it does appear that... The way is being paved for a 2021 season. This isn't like last year where it was, honestly, was hoping against hope that they could get the bubble and a a six-game season underway in October. And uh, that didn't happen, obviously. This tone is a lot different. Uh, Now, a, a couple hurdles have been cleared as well. An official with the Public Health Agency of Canada uh, telling the Canadian press, the federal government has received the CFL's request for national interest exemption for a modified quarantine for the upcoming season. That is a must. So it's like the NHL quarantine, which got changed from 14 days to seven days. That would be that would be very key. That's part of the NA, or the uh, CFL's return to play protocol. And uh, the official added, Ottawa's reviewing in 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 it in, in consultation with provincial health authorities. And also, a big step in the right direction is the fact that they would not, see, PHAC would not look at the proposals unless the provinces have signed off on it. And that is what has happened. And Chris Preston said this about nine days ago, that all provinces, the six provinces have signed on the off on this written and verbal. So now PHAC will look at it. Now, as far as the uh, return to play, uh, like the details, and this is according to... Uh, Dave Naylor from TSN does great work. Um, Okay. So rosters would be reduced from 46 to a max of 44. So don't believe there will be any scratches because right now you have two scratches. If you forgot 46 man roster, but it's a 44 uh, game day roster, one global player per team, two quarterbacks, Practice rosters can be expanded by five as long as the border-slash-quarantine remains. Um, this is interesting, too, according to uh, Dave Naylor. CFL may add two teams to playoff formula, and that might be the event in the event the league is unable to start on time on August 5th and regular season becomes reduced, but see if that plays into, into the plans. Remember last year when uh, there was the... Uh, the win and host model for Grey cup because Saskatchewan was supposed to have it wasn't going to happen. So it was going to be maybe an eight game schedule, a 10 game schedule, and they would let eight teams in the playoffs and you have a one versus eight, two versus seven, that sort of thing, just to, you know, Hey, why not? Let's, let's just do it. We're in a pandemic. We're trying to play. So didn't happen, obviously, because there was no season. So that would be interesting if that happened. Uh, There will be no training camp. So Jamie Elizondo, the Edmonton Elks head coach, pretty much predicted this. Um, And we have to get more clarity on this. 35% of its stadium capacity must be open to fans in order to stage a a game. Now, uh, Dave also clarified that later and said that the league commits to a play of minimum of 10 games as long as 35% of stadiums are open. It could still opt to play with less than 35%. And this is likely mode if there's a yes vote on Monday to play a 14-game schedule. So the pathway is there. It's like they're on the five-yard line. It's first and goal. They have the play call. They have the play that'll get them in the end zone. Now they just have to get the ball in the end zone. But it is the CFL Board of Governors, and they have a tendency to make things a little more dramatic and suspenseful than maybe need be. But we are this, this close. Oh, so very, very close to having a 2021 season, which will be good. You'll hear from Devin Shore in a moment here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. Don't forget the uh, hotline for uh, Certainty. It's 7804960063. Uh, that is to call or text and brought to you by Certainty, professional grade building materials pro all the way. Uh, Section O. Miss you, buddy. If I win the Lotto Max tomorrow, I'll personally fund the difference in revenue for the teams. Whatever gets a yes vote for Monday, let's go. That's from Matt from Section O. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree with you, brother. Absolutely. Uh, so Devin Shore signs a two-year deal, $850,000 yesterday, uh, and he spoke with Bob Stoffer earlier today on Oilers Now to talk about earning a second contract with the Oilers.
1: Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, I, I know we're, we're really pumped, and, and uh, I, I had a really good... Uh, really good time playing with with that group last year. It, it was a it was a privilege and an honor to be in an OIland. We're we're pumped to be back. Obviously, it didn't and and the way anybody expected or or wanted to. But you but no one will be back. It, is, it makes it that much more exciting to you know to keep the grind going and, and to, to keep improving. And, and yeah, just to, to add on that, it was, it was definitely a, a more stressful off season last year. But that's all part of part of being a pro. So you, you try to take in stride and just. Just enjoy the journey, uh, the ups and the downs. But uh, no, we're we're pumped.
0: And and there's no guarantee that Devin Shore's an everyday player. Okay, he's probably a 12th to 14th forward. But 850 thousand dollars for a guy that works as hard as he does, and provides you with a good penalty killing sk- uh, skill set, and who's not a bad finisher for the minutes he plays. And he, he did have a couple empty net goals, I think, this year, and he had one shorthanded goal. So yeah, but you know, I mean, it's not a deal that's gonna break the bank. It's not a deal that's gonna really affect Ken Holland's plan. So I think for a player that can do what he can do, I mean, why why let him go and find, you know, find another player that can do the equivalent of what a Devin Shore can do, or you know, his five on five game has to get better. But everyone's five on five game who he plays with has to get better. So just hard to equate all that stuff and all the analytics comes in the analytics for devon shore i know it's not great but you know you look what he did in the playoffs for example played too high up in the lineup but he worked hard i thought he excelled unfortunately just couldn't finish the orders need depth and they're not going to be looking to devon shore to score 20 goals every time he gets in the lineup they're going to look to him to be a good energy player and to limit the mistakes, and can he limit the mistakes better? Yes. But so can everyone else who plays on the fourth line. So let's discuss that, discuss McDavid, discuss much more with Bob Stofford, the uh, color analyst on the Oilers Radio Network and the host of Oilers Now. Vegas Golden Knights host Game 6 of the Pacific Division Final, coming up in about uh, 45 minutes or, yeah, about 45 minutes from now as they have a chance with a 3-2 lead over the Colorado Avalanche to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal and face the Montreal Canadiens. Tampa Bay Lightning will host the New York Islanders, we believe, Sunday in Game 1 of their Stanley Cup semifinal. We'll be on with Stoff in a moment. Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight. One Stanley Cup playoff game. On the docket, and it's in Vegas. The Golden Knights with a chance to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal to take on the Montreal Canadiens, host the the Colorado Avalanche in Game Six of the Pacific Division Final. The Bruins uh, out because the Islanders ousted them last night, six-two, to win their their series in six games they take on the Tampa Bay Light or yeah the Tampa Bay Lightning in a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Final even though we do not have conferences this year uh, I would imagine we will have them next year uh, we got a couple of NBA playoff games tonight on the schedule one going on right now in Milwaukee the uh, Bucks lead the Nets 32-26 The Nets have a two-games-to-none lead in their second-round Eastern Conference playoff series. James Harden out again for the Nets. He's only played 36 seconds of this series, and that was the first 36 seconds of this series back in game at number one. And still to come, the Utah Jazz at home to the L.A. Clippers. And uh, I have no idea who's leading that series. Just a second. Ah, there we go. It is the uh, Jazz leading one game to none. Toronto Blue Jays in action tonight. They are in Chicago to take on the White Sox and 3-0. The White Sox leading the Blue Jays. Well, this man needs no introduction, but I'll give him one. I'll try and give him a unique one. The uh, Ah, he's heard this before. He's the biggest Alabama Crimson Tide fan and should be happy that Nick Saban has signed an extension to the uh, 2028 season it is the one and only bob stauffer the host of oilers now and color analyst on the Oilers radio network and someone i'm always happy to talk to on these radio airways hey bob how you doing good dave how are you just uh... Uh, i'm great uh
2: yeah for the record i I, i'm not even sure i'm the biggest alabama fan amongst uh a group of guys i know i you know there's uh i think you know jack hookson from pro-am sports he's an alabama fan Uh, a guy named tyler Tyler hupka who's a hardcore old school eskimo fan now edmonton elks fan he too is an alabama fan uh what i like is, is i like structure and process that's elite and um, there was a time that the University of Alberta Athletics Department was like that. I'm not necessarily convinced that's the case anymore. Uh, but in terms of what Alabama does, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's now you're talking about a coach that with his extension is going to top out at about ten and a half million dollars a year, which lends itself to why aren't the players being paid too? if they can afford to pay Nick that. But there, you know, yeah. he's. The thing that I admire about him is he's evolved with the time. You know, when he came up through Michigan State and then on to LSU, his teams were ball-control, run-oriented offenses with, you know, smash-mouth tough defenses. He brought that with him to Alabama. That's how they won their first couple national championships. And then in the mid-2010s, Bama ran into a little bit of a, you know, around 12, 13, 13, 14 in around that time where teams with spread option offenses were giving them trouble. And they started recruiting spread option quarterbacks and playmakers at receiver and opened the vertical stretch game up and went to hurry up offenses and and tempo offenses. And and it just shows you how a guy can – you know, uh, evolve with time. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. You get to work in the day-to-day minutiae of football, you and Morley on the CFL. And I'm really happy. It looks like today, the player's ratified. Let's get back after it. Let's get you guys going too. Now, how old is Nick Saban? Oh, I think he's got to be 68 off the top of my head without cheating okay. here. I'll, I'll look it up online right now. Uh, so it's he's...
0: going to be mid-70s when this contract is through, which is, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, I mean the, the, the longevity that he has in the, uh, I mean, he's like you say, what, 10 and $10.5 million a year? Yeah, he's good. Like, why would he go back to the NFL? Yeah. He, he's got a good gig now.
2: Well, he's yeah, and he's 69. Uh, he turns 70 in oct- uh, end of October uh, this year. He'll be making 9.3 million dollars. So, uh, but I think it. Uh, I re- I read at the end of the because it's basically it takes him six more years to 10.8. I mean, you're you're talking about a program. Uh, how many first round picks do they have in the last year's? Do they have six? I think they had six first round picks in the NFL draft. They are mm-hmm. as elite as elite is and they are constantly evolving, which I thoroughly admire. And and that's what the best organizations do. They don't sit there and, uh, you know, stay sort of stagnant. They, they continue
0: to grow. And that's one of the things that they've done. Speaking of elite, you get to watch Connor McDavid on a game-by-game basis. And no surprise, he's a Hart Trophy candidate. 105 points, 1.88 points per game average. Uh, the best since Mario Lemieux in 95-96 when he had a 2.30 average. I mean... Yes, it's Austin Matthews and Nathan McKinley's up against, but uh, I've been saying all night, you could just hand him the award now and I don't think anyone would be upset about it.
2: Well, he had an incredible year. I mean, 1.8 points per game. It was We haven't seen something like that in 25, 30 years in the National Hockey League. And I know people will sit there and say, well, it's Canada, the Canadian division. i got news for you. The Oilers are going to be in an easier division next year when they go back into the Pacific. Granted, Vegas is a really good team, but Edmonton was better than uh, Calgary and Vancouver each of the last two regular seasons. The three California teams are rebuilding, and then you have an expansion team with Seattle, and everybody's learned from their mistakes with Vegas what not to do. So I don't expect Seattle to be... Uh, Seattle's going to build differently just by virtue that they got the number two overall pick, so they're going to be a team to watch mm-hmm. here, grow and develop in a different way. Uh, you know, it, it, this is the first year, as you know, Dave. I didn't get to travel, and that said, um, and we're a ways up there this year for practice. But you just see the intensity and the drive on a day by day basis from McDavid, from leon dry and darnell nurse and that's why i'm fairly optimistic where the orders can go i get it the fans are disappointed with how the playoff end ended they should be you know what the team there's no way they should have been swept in four straight games they got to find a way to win one of those games in overtime against winnipeg but the reality is when your three best players are your hardest working and most driven all of the guys that come after they pick up on that. So what's that going to mean for Yamamoto and Pugliarvi as forwards? What's it going to mean for Broberg and Bouchard on defense? Ryan McLeod, you know, Dmitri Samarukov down the road. That, that That's why I'm fairly optimistic about where Edmonton can go.
0: Yeah. And just one final point on on McDavid. And I thought there's some people giving him some criticism about, oh, I, I don't like how he leads because they didn't like the how animated he was on the bench and you know and and talking to people in an intense way. And I think to me, I think that's showing the depth of the captain that he's willing to maybe do some things he's not comfortable with because the desire to win and the desire to bring everyone else along with him and, and have that same goal. To uh, you know, learn to be an elite team. I think that's just another layer that that Connor McDavid adds to his to his legacy as a captain. I mean, I think he's just willing to go outside the box and try different things.
2: Uh, Dave, I think that the Oilers certainly the two and and for two years in a row. I think Hamilton was hurt by not having fans in their building because the Oilers came yep. out flat against Chicago and they came out flat against the Winnipeg Jets. And they needed to jump on Winnipeg and they didn't. Winnipeg at that point had Dubois and Ehlers out of the lineup. They needed to secure a win in game one and they didn't get it done. And, they, you know, they worked their way into that hockey game. And I think if there was fans at Rogers place, they would have been ready to go off the get-go. In terms of what you're saying about McDavid, uh um, you know what? There's different ways to lead. There's maturation that takes place with players. The biggest reason why Edmonton, as you know, you know, didn't get past Winnipeg is they lacked depth and they ran into a goalie with a 950 save percentage. And Connor yep. felt the, Connor felt the pressure. And the fact of the matter is, he was very productive in the final two games of that series. So I'm with you. I think everybody's just, you know i don't know how much stuff you actually pick up from the sidelines when you and morley are calling games and you're sitting there trying to watch the play and watch the formations and see who's in motion and that sort of thing and then pick up the line play but you know when the eskimos in the past were on defense and now the elks and when they're you know when they're on deep uh, on defense on the field you know there could be a very animated conversation between a quarterback and maybe a receiver that wants the ball so that stuff happens in sport yeah. people got to understand it. it comes with the territory
0: yeah, no question about us. We're joined by Bob Stauffer, the host of Oilers Now, Color Analyst here on the uh, Oilers Radio Network, joining us on 6.30, Inside Sports. So, you know, um, take social media for what it's worth. Um, you know, or you're on Twitter, I'm on Twitter. Um, I know you don't tweet very much, which is good. I don't, I'm I've, I've tweeting less. That's probably good for me as well, because back Back way back when I used to be kind of a, a loud mouth on Twitter, and I've I've calmed that down. Um, you know, I, I like the analytics world. I think analytics has a place in 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 the game of hockey. How people use it is amazing, and how people get upset over a 12th to 14th forward signing a two year deal for eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I tell you, last night I, I I could not imagine or I could not I could have not have predicted the vitriol some people had over Devin Shore signing this deal. It's $850,000 for a guy who may not play every day, but when he does, I, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's not the best metrics five on five, but, you know, I don't know. It's just, to me, there's bigger fish to fry here. I think that's what I'm saying here, Bob, is like, why are we getting upset over this signing? Or some people are getting upset over this signing. I just find it amusing.
2: I had somebody say something to me today. They said, Bob, you've, you've lent too much credence to the analytics group in town. You've been one of the guys that's been open and, and put some of those guys on the show. And, uh, and I'm like, well, I, th- I, I think there's some really smart people that are grinding away at work. And when yeah. you. You know, here, here's the deal, Dave, when when your organization and I, you know, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group and Chorus is a partner of the Oilers. Uh, you're in partnership with the Edmonton Elks. OK, we want to see those teams be successful. But when there's failure, I mean, you were dealing with this towards the end of the Machocha regime and it took a couple of years to get out a lot with Tillman. And then obviously, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jones came in with Chris Jones. Is that yeah. his name? He came in and, yep. and got got things steered in the right direction. But when you don't make like the orders didn't make the playoffs 12 out of 13 years and, you know, they got bounced out, you know, didn't didn't advance each of the last two seasons, even though they had really good regular seasons. And with that comes criticism. So you're just going to have to accept that there's a degree of it. I thought it was like you a little bit misplaced. On Devin Shore. I mean, the writing was on the wall. He was playing in triple overtime on one of the three lines for the Oilers. That was a total mm-hmm. precursor that the Oilers were going to extend him. And uh, you know what? I, I, I realized that the goal share wasn't great for him. He started 65% of his shifts in the defensive zone with a centerman usually in Juju Arcara that's about a 42 43% faceoff man. So his line mm-hmm. didn't have the puck and he was having a defense. So I think he's a useful support player. We'll see how much he plays. He can PK, uh, you know, he's he, we're looking at probably a fourth line left wing and we'll see what sort of caliber they get on their top 3 left wing spots here because those are obviously going to be targets to improve for the upcoming season.
0: And if you prorate him, maybe over a, as he only played thirty six games, I believe, if I got that correct, he, he scored nine points. You prorate that over eighty two; it's it's a twenty point season. Now he's probably not an everyday player, but for the minutes he plays, um, I, I don't think this is a bad guy that you can have on the ice. I mean, he's got a, a little bit of an ability to finish. Now, you, you mentioned the triple overtime game. I don't think you want Devin Shore playing on a second line, but. You know, I think he showed in that in that overtime that the bulldog mentality and the, the willingness to really compete and battle is probably what the Oilers need. You know, coming into next season and the season after that, but you probably need more guys up in the top six to score. And and we're and this leads to, you know what they need ultimately. And um, I know Reed has said on this show, maybe they need six more players, right? And I, I, I said, they probably need two left wingers. I don't know if they need another, another right winger, although I think there's maybe the decision on, on Yamamoto, but uh, what can the Oilers get done here? You think in the summertime, uh, realistically, as far as uh, the players that they have to re-sign versus the player or, or along with players that they would like to bring in.
2: Well, if you're looking at the left wing, I think there's a couple different scenarios. Uh, if they re-sign Nugent Hopkins, and let's just say for the sake of argument, he's $6 million a year. And if they bring in Zach Hyman, that's going to be $6 million a year. That's $12 million. Well, now you are looking at a million-dollar third-line left wing. Uh, yeah. But if they, for the sake of argument, bring back Nugent Hopkins, and maybe they're in the next tier down, and it's Mike Hoffman at $4 million, well, maybe you're looking at a third-line left wing at, at $2 million and a third-line center at uh at two to three million dollars so and and i will tell you the center depth out there is not deep they have Ryan McLeod, I think, in a perfect world. They'd like to play McLeod as the 4th line center. So, they're, you know, they're, they're going to re-sign Adam Larson. That's a given. It's probably going to happen sometime in the next two weeks, two to three weeks. He'll be protected in the expansion draft. Nugent Hopkins, for me, is a 50-50 scenario. But there are going to be agents that want to place players here because they saw what Tyson Berry did uh, on a one-year deal at $3.75 million, and he's probably going to get $5.5 to $6 million I could see, per year. I could see Seattle stepping up. I could see Boston. Boston potentially stepping up for Tyson Barry as well.
0: Okay. The uh, Montreal Canadiens are waiting for an opponent. They may get that tonight if Vegas wins or this could be a game seven. Um, this might be a strange question because the answer could be none of the teams, but which team do you think the Canadians match up better against the Avs or the, uh, or the, or the Golden Knights? Wow.
2: That's to me. That's yeah. A, I, I mean, I, two, a week ago, I would have said they, they match up better against Vegas. Right now, I'm mm-hmm. thinking they probably, uh I, I think they match up better against Colorado. I don't think Colorado's going to be able to win back-to-back games. Like, Vegas has is, Vegas is taken the middle of the ice away, um, and Vegas has got Marc-Andre Fleury. I, I, I think yeah. that's a t- just just in goaltending alone, you know, it's kind of like quarterbacks, right? Who's got the better quarterback? Well, that team is usually the team. That's fairly. You know, some people would say offensive and defensive lines, but if you got a quarterback, if you got a quarterback that's on another level than the guy that you're going up against, usually your team's favorite in games. So, uh, with all due respect to Grubauer, the, the reality is that uh, you know if we ended up having a matchup between Carey Price and Mark Andre Fleury, Jack Michaels and myself will be fighting all playoffs because he's a Fleury guy and I'm a Price guy. But I think the tougher matchup is <laughs> against Vegas for Montreal. I think I think now Colorado has shown some weaknesses. And, and, and I think the Canadians might be able to get to it. I think they'll be hard-pressed to beat Vegas.
0: Yeah, no question. Bob, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Uh, hope you're well, and uh, I hope to see you soon down the road as well.
2: It's only been 15 months, Dave.
0: What's <laughs> another few weeks, right? Or a few months. I hope it's not a few months. But anyway, always good to talk to you, okay? Uh, yeah, anytime, Dave. Take care. You take care. Bob Stoffer, host of Oilers Now and color analyst on the Oilers Radio Network. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just can't see the avalanche winning too straight as well. And when you look at the Vegas, I mean, you look at tonight, you can go power versus power. You can go Chandler Stevenson's line who has uh, Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. You can go directly up against Nathan McKinnon. Miko Rantanen and Gabriel Landeskog. Well, they have gone to get up against each other, and the Stevenson line has two goals. The uh, the McKinnon line only has zero or has zero. But man, it has been all Stevenson's line. And then if you get them off the ice, then you got Marcia So's line to, to to put up with. So yeah, I agree with Bob. I think uh, I think the Canadians would be better pressed to play the. Or a better matchup to play the Az, but I just don't think they're going to have that. They're going to be likely playing the Vegas Golden Knights, and who knows what can happen. We never thought the Canadians could get
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.
0: Get this far, could they get to the Stanley Cup final? I'd say that's pretty much a reach, but yeah, never know. Back in a moment. you were speaking with Bob Stoffer earlier today on Oilers Now, and talking about, look, signing for eight hundred fifty thousand dollars, my average annual value over two years, it's really not a big deal. That's not the first thing, and that's not the reason I signed.
1: We're all still kids who, who love playing, and, and it really is a privilege to play in the NHL. It's a special league, and and uh, you know, for and, and you know, I don't think like for me specifically, and, and I know a lot of guys are the same. I've, I've never played for the money, of course you will. Like I said, it, it's it's part of it. You got to go through the negotiation process. It's all good, but um, to be to be an Oiler and, and to be part of this group, um, like I just said, I, I really love this group and believe in it. it it's it's exciting times, and and uh, you know there, there are no bad days in the NHL. So we're we're excited to to get going. It, it's going to be a fun fun off season, quick off season, and and, and get right back at it.
0: Connor McDavid nominated for the heart trophy along with Nathan McKinnon of the avalanche and Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It'll be a runaway winner uh, for Connor McDavid. Uh, I think we can predict that CFL season. Oh, so close to being approved board of governors vote. On Monday, the players today and the league agreed on an amended CBA for a 2021 season. There are some provisions and conditions, uh, possibly 35% attendance. That all has to be approved by all governments and health authorities. The return to play has been approved. Uh, Public Health Agency of Canada has the approvals from there, has the uh, return to play protocols in their hands now after it has been approved by all the six or all six provinces. So that is very exciting. When we come back, we'll uh, keep the hockey theme going. Edmonton oil Kings had a great season, third straight central division title. And they got a couple of players who could be really, really high up in the uh, draft and possibly maybe a goaltender that could be in the uh, reach of the Edmonton Oilers. We'll be joined by Kurt Hill. We'll talk some UFC. And a really cool story about a grad ceremony at Remax Field tomorrow, thanks to the Edmonton Riverhawks. It is Campbell in for Wilkins on six thirty. Chad Inside Sports back after the news. Six thirty. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on six thirty. Chad.